The news on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. They were covering the ongoing protests in Minneapolis, which were sparked over the death of a black man named George Floyd, seen on video gasping for breath while a white police officer knelt on his neck until he became unresponsive. CNN tweeted early Friday morning that the entire film crew was arrested, despite identifying themselves, a clear violation of their First Amendment rights. About an hour later, CNN confirmed they were all released. Officers did not appear to give a clear explanation for why the reporter and crew were being arrested at the time. Jimenez, the reporter, is also black, and the people who arrested him all appear to be white. CNN says the governor of Minnesota spoke with the president of the news network and said he deeply apologizes for what happened and described the arrests as unacceptable. Jasmine Pisano, Global News. Richard and Julie with you this Friday afternoon. Minneapolis, now cities right across the country. We are seeing protests in the United States. Devon Clunas is the former Winnipeg police chief. He does law enforcement consulting across North America, and he joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Devon Clunas, thank you for joining us. Typically, I'd be happy to be here, but what a sad occasion. Your reaction to what you have seen in Minneapolis? Well, you know, I think my reaction has been almost threefold. First, I have to be honest and say I reacted as a person of color, as a black man in society, uh, somebody who spent time in the U.S. And so that really, from a very personal level, hit me. Secondly, simply as a human being, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a black, white, doesn't matter what your cultural background, to see that happen to anyone was just infuriating. And thirdly, for me, uh, as somebody who's involved in policing and uh, community safety, uh, I was deeply disturbed by those actions because I know that by and large, most police officers are caring and compassionate, and they put themselves in harm's way to take care of the community. And so to see that, I know it also wounds every decent police officer out there. So we have all these emotions that we're going through right now. That technique, holding a suspect down with your knee, is that acceptable? It is not acceptable. I can tell you that uh, from the Canadian policing perspective, we're not trained that way. And I can't say that I've actually seen any training particularly like that in the U.S., but here's what you have to look at. This gentleman was handcuffed. You have four police officers there. He's on the ground. He's clearly saying he's having difficulty breathing. Uh, we're not trained to treat somebody in that situation in that manner. There's just no way that's right. There's no universe in which anyone can say that that was proper technique. Former chief, we've heard a little bit about now this individual that is, has been charged. Um, and, and at this point, the charges could have been more severe and they may be upgraded. We'll have to wait and see if that happens. But in reading many of the, the media reports coming out of the states, it, it's clear that this officer has had numerous things on his file. He's, he's dealt with 
offenses or reprimands, whatever they may be. One other suspect, at least uh, he was involved with, was shot at one point. So it begs the question, could something like that ever happen here? Could we ever see an officer that has consistently had um, issues on his record continue to serve and be in a capacity that something like this could ultimately happen? I never want to say ultimately something could not happen, but what I tell you is this, the probability of something like that happening in Canada is incredibly remote. I can tell you first, our selection, our training, the discipline, the accountability, uh, to say that we would have a member who would have 12 plus very serious disciplinary charges still be on the service, more likely not. I know in my case, officers have been dismissed, and I know across the country, We have a very strong regulatory and discipline process that would say an officer like that would not be still employed by any agency across our country. I can can say that quite certainly. And and also reading those those reports, Devon, it's... It sounded like that department was investigating itself. And we know here in Manitoba, we have the IIU. I worked in Ontario. It has the SIU, the Special Investigations Unit. And so is it important, and and does it happen in the states where, where departments are investigating themselves, and therefore it doesn't give the public a lot of comfort when incidents like this that are happened, that they're not being looked at from the outside, rather they're looked at internally? Yeah, I can tell you that's still one of the challenges that they do have and the work that I've done. And those are some of the recommendations that we've put forward, that in many cases you do have departments investigating themselves, and we've clearly said that is not best practice. It's not where you get transparency and trust within a community. And so that is something that uh, American policing will absolutely have to deal with. And we know, unfortunately, you know, change sometimes is very difficult to come. And oftentimes it has to be legislated and, and what we've consistently said, it would be really be wonderful if police leaders themselves would lead some of this change. But unfortunately, if they're not willing to, then I think that's where government and legislation has to take place. With Devon Clunas on 680 CJLB, former Winnipeg Police Chief Richard and Julie with you. You do consulting not just in Canada, but in the United States. You walk into a situation like this, and you have before... What do you begin to tell those who are looking to make changes to their police services, given what we have seen in the last few days and given the fact that we have seen this before? Well, Richard, I would say this, and, uh, you know, sometimes we're looking for what could be an easy solution. And I do not believe from the work that I've done that there is an easy solution in this instance, because what you're dealing with here is a deep, historic culture. It is not just the policing, but it's pervasively the way that you see cultural relations in the United States. You consistently hear uh, the discussion about black versus white, them. Uh, I mean, when you watch television still, consistently you will see people of color being portrayed in a very negative light. And then you look at the recruiting process. Uh, In Canada, officers see themselves more as guardians of the community. In the U.S., It is a war against what they consider to be the criminal element, who often are portrayed as people of color or ethnic minorities. So it's a deep cultural issue that you need to address. It is not just the police. What we're simply seeing is the police is now uh, rising up like the cream on the top, but it's not just the police. It's a deep cultural issue that needs to be addressed, and it will not be fixed simply by dealing with police. Yes, you have to deal with that, 
And so in terms of the police, there has to be strict training, but it's changing the mindset that you're here to serve the community, not necessarily police it. And, you know, in some of the work that I've done, I've actually been very forthright in writing about these deep cultural issues that need to be addressed. And, and I can say in those specific instances, people were listening and they accepted the report as is. And so that gave me some sense of hope, but they have a long road to walk here. We know, Devon, that we've seen a number of cases over the, least, the recent uh, months. Ahmed Arbery, uh, just re- last week, I believe, the gentleman in the, in the New York park that, that had the, uh, mm-hmm. the encounter with, with the white woman walking her dog, and he said afterwards, just the color of my skin it is considered mm-hmm. a weapon. And that, that really took me back because that is not, that is not what, what I live every single day. And so how do we, I, I guess, deal with that unconscious bias in our, in our forces? Because Canada and Winnipeg is, is extremely multicultural. And we're seeing some of those racial tensions, even with, with COVID-19, with the Asian community. And it's heartbreaking. So how do we deal with those, the, the baggage that we all come with? We absolutely do, and, and part of it is just having these meaningful conversations. And as I said, you know, we've spent a significant amount of time living and working in the U.S., and uh, I actually have to give credit to my wife because she's the one who pointed this out to me. When we're in the U.S., yes, you will see people from many different ethnic backgrounds, but you'll see that they're staying together. Uh, they're not really mixing. And then we came back and went to the forks, and she pointed out to me, when you see people from different cultural groups here, they're actually mixing. They're coming to an event together. In the U.S., no, it's very separate. And so the key for me is this, and, and this is what I love so much when we deal with kids. You'll go to a classroom now and you'll see this incredible diversity, and the kids really don't see that difference. And so for me, the key is ensuring that we don't now, as they get older and older, we start to teach them to see the difference. That is the key. And in our Canadian context, by no means am I saying that we're perfect and we have it all right. But we're quite different in a very positive sense. Like when I cross the border back into Canada, I just breathe this huge sigh of relief because we are different in that way. Parts of Minneapolis, parts of the United States are burning this afternoon and well into this weekend. It doesn't feel good, does it? No, it doesn't feel good. And I I can say this as well. You know, certainly what's brought us to this place is not very pretty. But I would hope that people, in in spite of all the frustration and anger that they're feeling, can still find a positive way to express that, because this is only putting the community further behind. What occurred was not right. But what's taking place right now also is not right. And so it's finding that balance. Yes, I can appreciate the frustration, and I, I really can. But I'm saying they're basically tearing down their own community, which now is going to take significant amount of time to rebuild so we have to find a positive path forward i know that the cell phone has changed all this it's changed law enforcement and it is changing the way we hold each other accountable i believe so and i believe it's changed us for the better you know my mindset was always when i was doing my job and this is what i always tell our officers just pretend everything you do someone is watching it should be that way And I can actually tell you this, probably one of the proudest moments in my entire career was after I announced my retirement, and we were downtown serving at a soup kitchen. And we had the homeless who were coming in, and I was in uniform. And they said to me as a chief of police, they said, we know who you are, because 
since you became chief, your officers started treating us differently. I'm saying leadership makes all the difference. What we tell our people, what we value, what I valued was that it doesn't matter who you're dealing with, they deserve dignity and respect. And then the members emulated that. So for me, a lot of what I'm talking about here really hinges on leadership. Who are you? What does your community stand for? And when we share that with the men and women who go out to serve, I'm not saying it's going to be all perfect all the time, but they will serve in that manner. And to hear them say when I was not there watching, our officers are doing the right things with integrity, that tells me that leadership and the message that we send to the front lines is a significant piece of what's taking place here. And I would say, when you look at the message that's coming from many leaders in many of these areas, what message are we sending about diversity and inclusion and just valuing all of humanity? The news on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham.